Hello! Happy Carnival! Well, Carnival's actually done, but um, welcome to Bullcast Podcast. I'm Katie Pickler, and with me today is Court Winsett. Good day to you, Katie. And Cameron Spann. I am so full from king cake, I'm about to explode. Oh, goodness, y'all. Okay, so Mardi Gras just ended. We just had Fat Tuesday. The carnival season is done, which, you know, I have had the pleasure of being very involved with celebrating Mardi Gras, going to New Orleans for the past eight years. And so we thought we'd do a fun episode kind of talking about Mardi Gras. And of course, we got to make it financial. So we're going to kind of talk about the financial impact on the city, on the riders, on the participants, on the crowd goers, all of the above. So I am um, a part of a crew, a super crew. We're superheroes. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of crews. The super friends. Super friends. There's a bunch of crews. K R E W E, not C R E W. And they are groups that are in New Orleans. And there are three super crews Bacchus, Endymion, and Orpheus. Mm-hmm. And so David Pickler was National School Board president uh, about 10, 11 years ago. And he uh, went, of course, all over the United States visiting different school boards and met an individual who was a part of the New Orleans School Board who introduced him to the crew of Orpheus and our buddy Ethan Cheramay. And he uh, had the opportunity to ride the parade. And so after a couple of years, David really loved it and took us to go down. And so, you know, kind of the rest is history. But the crew of Orpheus is Harry Connick Jr.'s crew. Mm-hmm. So Harry Connick Jr. and his father, who his father just recently passed away, very sad, and another um, gentleman named Sonny, they created this group. And it is a super crew in the fact that they have over a thousand members paying dues in every parade. They have at least 500 people riding. Now, I think this past um, ride, we had over 2000 people riding in our crew. We ride on Lune de Gras, which is the Monday before Fat Tuesday. We are a night parade, which means we have lights. We are a... Which means everybody be partying <laughs> hardy. Um, obviously, Orpheus is after the mythology, or which I think we're going to talk about that in a minute. Yeah, let's, let's not let's jump not, ahead. Let's not go. But that's, now. But so um, we are going to start with our fun list. Each year, there are celebrity monarchs, because obviously Harry Connick Jr. is always our celebrity because he's our founder, but there's different celebrities that will be a guest that year. Mm-hmm. And so we've got a list of some of the past ones um, that Nicole put together. And then there's some other big ones that I kind of want to point out because this crew has been around since 1993. Mm-hmm. So we just celebrated our 31st birthday. 1993. You know, it's very, very possible that the first time I ever went to uh, a Mardi Gras, they were already in existence because the first time I went to Mardi Gras was like maybe, I, I, I don't know, it was while I was in college, which would have either been spring of 93 or maybe spring of 94, the first time I went down there. And uh just find it interesting that I've been there possibly since the beginning. Of their first, group. yeah, I was say their yeah. first ride was 94 because yeah. they were created in 93. Interesting. I've been there since the beginning. Not that I've ever actually been involved with the crew and or been on the float, but, you know, I was there, man. I was there at the beginning. (laughs) So obviously these monarchs ride in the parade. They're in one of the beginning floats. And so we've had Quentin Tarantino, Mm -hmm. Dirk Spentley. Mm -hmm. I'm a little jelly about this next one. Nathan Fillion. Yeah, I started two years after that, so I'm really sad. Mm. 
In 2018, they had Keegan-Michael Key and Jamie Alexander. Yep, I was there for that one. Nice. And then Mario Lopez. Whoop. Brian Cranston. We've heard the story about me and Brian Cranston. Uh, And Charlie Day was with him that year. Finn Jones, Nicole Scherzinger, and Tyrus. Nicole's from uh, Pussycat Dolls. Mm -hmm. Uh She's also been on some other reality show as a a judge or a host or something. Yep, so she she was there. um, And then World of Dance. I can't remember. Anyway. Last year, we had Joey Fatone and Darren Chris. Darren Chris, yeah. Um, yeah. Joey performed, and it was epic. Fangirl of your, you know, childhood boy band. Having so much fun with that. Indeed. And then this... uh, past monarch that we yeah. just had i'm probably never going to forgive you for for Robin letting Elmo's. me miss this one this one was incredible i can't believe I can't nph believe yeah neil patrick harris and david Burtka. he is a multi-hyphenate performer that uh is is definitely i'm very impressed by him what he's hilarious he's also a talented singer dancer it would have been fun if it was mph and then nathan together like how fun would that have been yeah yeah 100 yeah. percent. the other people that have been over the past several years cindy lopper um time after time yeah i mean just so many great musicians we are the world if you watch the thing it's she, on the list she's got some issues that she causes while she's there joan rivers is another one travis tritt uh, Glenn Close, Whoopi Goldberg, Stevie Wonder, and Rice, which, I mean, doesn't surprise you if you're in yeah, New Orleans. but the Vampire Queen. Yes, so there have been some really, really great people. Um, James Belushi, all that fun stuff. Yeah, I've been rereading Anne Rice's witch novels recently. The Chronicles of the Mayfair Witches uh, is the more formal Because there's a title. Cortland character in it. Uh, there is a Cortland character. Uncle um, Cortland. Yes, and I've been re- rereading those books recently. And boy, the first time I ever read them, I think A Witching Hour came out, I think when I was either in high school or maybe, maybe in college. But I just remember it being super long. And uh, when I reread it, it was still super long. <laughs> but uh, yeah, she she would have been, I'm sure, a fun, I guess, parade queen. Yeah. Okay, so the numbers. Let's talk about Mardi Gras as a whole. Because a lot of people who are not familiar with actual Mardi Gras in New Orleans, they think of it as just one day, that Tuesday. And it's just a drunk day where people throw beads and wear gold and purple and green and eat king cake and eat Cajun. And that's kind of what they think. And so then they think if they go to New Orleans for Mardi Gras, then Fat Tuesday is just one big old fat party and it's just and drunk it is and strong and it's crazy <laughs> actually actually fat tuesday is the end yeah but it's still one big old fat Major- party. majority of the businesses are closed on fat tuesday um the only people that are really around and doing stuff are out of towners it's not any of the locals because everyone is exhausted because you've just gone through multiple weeks of carnival because like the big crews are really starting to gear up and so it's just like, at least if you start with the bigger crews, you're doing a week of going to these crews, being out there, drinking. And so on Fat Tuesday, you're done. That's your rest day. That's the day that school's out. Everything's done. Yeah, I was about to say, schools are closed in Louisiana. That's a holiday. Yeah. And so that's where it's so different. And I tell people, say, oh, yeah, I got a Mardi Gras every year. And they're like, oh, it's just a drunken mess. And it's, yes, it's what you've seen on like TV or movies or whatever, like 
in downtown on Bourbon Street. It is that. It is just wall-to-wall people. It's people flashing, getting beads, doing all this stuff like that. But then, like a lot of other things, there's other sides to it because this is a family affair. And that's, I mean, you grew up in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my parents would take us down to Mardi Gras. It was a blast. It, it was a great time, yeah. I don't remember it's like too a much tailgate. flashing. It's like a tailgate style, at least like so we're a part of a, a group down there now that it's, they're a bunch of locals and it is almost just a tailgating with your extended family for several days as you wait for crews to roll by, you get your ladders out and there is order to it of what you have to prep. So the city itself, because, you know, Mardi Gras was closed and did not happen in 2020. Mm. And that was a big hit or actually, excuse me, it didn't happen in 2021. Yeah. Because COVID really hit hard Right after Mardi Gras. Right after Gras. Mardi Gras, yeah. Right after Mardi Gras in 2020. 20, yeah. And then pretty much lasted through through spring of 2021. And so... The mayor deciding to cancel Mardi Gras in 2021 was a huge hit to the economy of New Orleans Mm -hmm. because usually it generates nearly 900 million towards the city. And you think about it, that's that's their hotels, that's their restaurants. There's this great little um, Mexican place, which, you know, hey, you're in New Orleans, you shouldn't be eating Mexican. But there's this Mexican place close to where our tailgate area is, and they say they make enough in the week and a half right before and right of Fat Tuesday that they can just, you know, cover the business for the year. That's amazing. Yeah, it's absolutely insane. And that's why these businesses need this because it brings so much to the city. There is an estimated 25 million pounds of plastic beads tossed in Mardi Gras each year in New Orleans. I believe. That's a a lot of beads. (laughs) Wow, that is a lot of beads. 25 million pounds. Well, it's you get the Mardi Gras trees. Yeah, yeah. And you get the street poles that have the beads on it. And I will tell you, it's a stat not on here, and I'd be interested to figure it out. But I was so impressed with the cleanup. So the cleanest that city ever is is right after Mardi Gras mm-hmm. or right in between parades because it is like a machine. The second the last parade comes through, they give it a little bit of time for people to get out of there. And then they have these trucks that are coming through, cleaning the streets, sweeping up all those beads. They've got trucks. They've got people. I mean, it is just amazing how it goes from this street that is just trash. There's bags and plastic and beads and broken things that have been thrown out and food and beer cans and all stuff like that. And it's just clean. It's done. One of the things that along those lines that I find very interesting and why I continue to insist that Fat Tuesday is such a party is because there are parades on Fat Tuesday and it is there are a lot of people there. And it is really, really impressive because Fat Tuesday, of course, leads into Ash Wednesday, Mm -hmm. a day of fasting and so on and so forth. So everything in New Orleans cuts off at midnight of Fat Tuesday. Like at midnight, they're like, okay, party's over. Done. <laughs> and watching the, the police come in on horseback and basically just sort of ride the horses and move the crowd just like out. Herd them out. <laughs> yeah. The, and the horses are just completely chill. They're like, yep, okay, here we go. People need to move. We're moving. We're moving. And right behind the horses come the cleaning crews yeah. and whoosh. If you ever want to see, I guess, even like a clean bourbon street, you never see a clean Mm-mm. bourbon street uh, except for right after Mardi Gras. Right after Mardi Gras. Yeah. And it is impressive. It is yeah. very impressive. Another interesting stat of Mardi Gras on average, 1.4 million revelers visit New Orleans for Mardi Gras each year. That's why New Orleans was ground zero for COVID in 2020. That's a lot of people to fit into the French that's Quarter. A, that's yeah. a lot of people. And there's been a lot of issues of safety and stuff with that, of 
we had the situation a couple of years ago where that car ran through a crowd of people mm-hmm. and um I don't think anybody passed away but I think there were some injuries injuries <laughs> there were some injuries there's some injuries guys <laughs> hey Someone guys there's some injuries over here <laughs> hey people we we got some injuries over here <laughs> y'all give me a break i'm coming off my mardi gras coma here like i'm, I'm trying to get it back together so some New Orleans crews spend as much as 200000 annually on the parade floats. Honestly, that's lower than I thought. And I wonder if that's some of the crews and not some of the super crews. Because what's interesting is they have Mardi Gras World down there, which all year mm-hmm. long you can go and look at the floats. You can look at how they make them. And everybody's a little different. But you will see some crews that go through where they've bought floats from another crew and they haven't really done a good job of like covering up that it was Mm. another crew's float and some of them don't even make sense zulu always has the most ridiculous floats ever and there's different you know levels of are they ones that are closer to like what you had in high school with your homecoming float or are they like ridiculously engineered Um, This year, ours always has these beautiful flowers that are just absolutely gorgeous. But the float that I was on, float 34, was heaven and hell. And so we had the mythical demon creature on the front of one. And then it was a three-part one. So it was all linked together. And then we had an angel on the back part. But uh, if we had lights and craziness and all stuff like that, but then there's some that are a little little janky. <laughs> Every year, about 500,000 king cakes are sold during Mardi Gras season. Mm-hmm. Listen, I'm I'm all about some king cake, but give me just that plain old <laughs> cream cheese filled, oh, yeah. just with some icing on top. I don't need a whole Your lot original. of... Yeah, I, I just... You don't need the praline filled. Yeah. Just cream just, cheese. Just give me some yeah. cream cheese and some, some, some icing and hopefully not the baby. Do you know the rule with a king cake? I, I mean, I believe I know the rule with the king cake, but I don't know if you're going to pull out a rule that I didn't know, so why don't you go ahead I'm and I'm wondering the same thing. Leave the knife in the box? Mm, no. I didn't know that. You always leave the knife in the box. I just naturally do that with any kind of pastry. <laughs> but, I mean, that's the thing is you always leave the knife in the box with a king cake because it's just kind of a communal thing. But, yeah, I mean, you, you can maybe win the little baby. Mm. You get the baby. I don't want the baby. <laughs> Person who gets the baby has to buy the king cake the next year. I don't, I don't want the baby. <laughs> I got trivia. It's not on here. Do you know where the first Mardi Gras was in the U.S.? Um, Biloxi, Mississippi. Close. You want to give it a guess? I knew it was Mississippi somewhere. No. No, it's not? Mm -mm. Where? It's in Alabama. Mobile. Mm. I believe 1704, 1705 was the first Mardi Gras in the U.S. Mm -hmm. Because then there's Mobile will do Mardi Gras stuff. And then, you know, Mississippi has some stuff as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. 1703, Fort Louis de la Mobile. Mm. I used to drive (laughs) through Mobile every year. Hadn't been through there in a while now, though. Going to Florida. We would always drive through Mobile. Oh, yeah. 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 The tunnel. Mm-hmm. The tunnel. Tell us about the crew of Orpheus, Katie. Mm, mythology. I think Court should talk about this. this is mythology, and you can, like, get your <laughs> mythology on. Okay. <laughs> so uh, the crew of Orpheus derives its name from the mortal Orpheus, who was son of the god Apollo, and the muse Calliope, uh, one of the city's super crews, as you've already mentioned. Um, Orpheus is... Consciously non-exclusive, quote unquote, and New Orleans' most diverse 
crew boasting 1,300 members from all walks of life. But as you mentioned, that membership may be getting even higher up there. I know well, participants, you said 2,000, yeah. but still, I mean, I figure... Because it's like we have... Each member can bring guests, right? I don't know exactly how that works. Yeah, so like we have membership spots, and then we have some guest spots that mm-hmm. we... Every year, we pretty much use those guest spots. And so we have six of us that go, but I'm pretty sure we just have it where there's three of us that are members and so each of us have a guest ah, and okay. so a lot of times they'll do that and so within so for 2,000 float people you probably only had maybe a thousand members a thousand members okay. yeah okay. and that's it fluctuates from year to year because it's expensive yeah it is very much a because you commitment. buy your own beads don't you yeah you buy your own beads you, you so, decorate your own stuff you know, before you even get to the parade, you have to have a membership fee mm-hmm. and you have to be invited. So mm-hmm. where it says it's, you know, consciously non-exclusive. Mm-hmm. Does then, it mean free or? Yeah. <laughs> no, um, you have to be invited by somebody to become a member and you can be a guest very easily. But then they have to determine if you could actually become a member. You have to pay to be a member. And that's an annual due. You have to pay to ride. Which paying for writing, that's you get a cool little costume thing. That, okay, um, let's stop for just a second. Yeah. Do we need to be careful to make sure that we don't let you accidentally spill any sort of crew secrets or anything like that? I'm part of the uh, double secret probation group, <laughs> so we get in trouble all the time. <laughs> but no, I mean, I'm not going to give too much of the mystery, but this is mm. general any of the crews that you would join because you've got this three super crews, but you've got other ones like some that are just all female. News and Nicks, they throw purses, they throw shoes, which we're going to talk about what they throw, mm-hmm. what everybody throws in a minute. But Already, if you are riding, then you've paid a membership fee or somebody has paid a membership fee for you to be there as a guest or as a member. You then, with your ride, you will be given your outfit Mm -hmm. and that's it. You then have to come up with what you're throwing and you can't just show up with some ding-dongs that you're going to throw. You have to have specific things. And Orpheus is women and men. Some Mm -hmm. crews are just, you know... Just men or just Just women. men or just, yeah, one ethnicity over another. There's mm-hmm. some that are that way as well. But Zulu is strictly African-American, right? Yes. I think there's maybe been a handful of non-African-Americans, but it's predominantly African-American. Um, they throw coconuts. Cool. Yeah. Which those that hurt. hurt. Those yeah. hurt them. You don't Man, get, yeah. you get hit on the head with one of them. And yeah. that's, uh... They've got coconuts that they've painted. So our survival kit, because we have a lieutenant. And so of the 50 plus floats that's in Crew of Orpheus, so this can go with any of the crews. You have a lieutenant who is in charge of your kind of float. Mm-hmm. And then he, she is in charge of the people that are riding. Mm-hmm. And so he sent out a survival kit and has said, you need to add a minimum have at least a hundred dozen per person, hundred dozen beads per person. So twelve hundred beads for those people who don't do the maths. <laughs> you need a lot of beads, and the thing is, is that you can throw beads, you can throw stuffed animals, roses, all different kinds of things. And so there's websites you can go to, and a lot of the crews will have their individual ones, or you can. Obviously, buy from Oriental Trading or something like that. But just imagine you are on these floats. It is a very tight space. Then you're going to throw on top of it a hundred dozen plus of stuff mm-hmm. that you are throwing. And I'll make sure Nicole puts some pictures with when we launch this episode because you are literally, if you're claustrophobic, don't do this because you've got all this stuff on there. It is worth the money to pay the people to load the stuff on the float for you, especially when you're upstairs. Mm-hmm. 
because I would hate to have to try and do that myself. Hold that up there. Yeah. Because yeah. my job is always to get up there and organize it. But I mean, with the stuff you buy, just to have enough stuff to throw, because you are riding for 88 city blocks, and that's about 5.5 miles, and you're like, that's not that far. Think about how slow a parade moves. Oh, you it? have bands between you. You have other little mini parades in between you. Mm -hmm. And tractors break down or yeah, something happens. Once you start moving, how long are you moving? How, so, how long are you actually on that float moving? So parade day starts for us at like 9 or 10 in the morning. Mm -hmm. We get up there and you have to kind of get your stuff settled. And then you can go and get your costume, get some lunch. And then once you get on the float... You are probably total time on the float for like five hours. Mm. There are bathrooms on it. You'll go out of the convention center where it's all like everything's there as you get ready. You'll go to the convention center and drive to the prep area. Do y'all remember like in high school and stuff where you'd line up for a parade? Mm -hmm. so no, I was never in a parade. I was never popular in high school. So you weren't in like band or in no, a club or anything? No, I was never in a band or a club. Nothing. <laughs> I was so terribly sad as a child. It was. It was well, what you you pick a side street, and okay. then everybody would line up, and you've got spaces, mm -hmm. and so all the floats will line up, and then as you start getting onto the main street, then you have to like let one go, and then let the band go, and like it takes time, and so you are not allowed to throw until you are on the official route, mm -hmm. and then once you get there, you have to pace yourself because the actual parade itself can take up to. Three and a half, four hours. Yeah, if you've got a hundred dozen beads and eighty-eight blocks, did mm -hmm. you say? Yeah. So you've got basically just a little bit more than one dozen per block. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I imagine you do have to pace yourself. But what about fluids? I mean, you got to stay hydrated. Are you? Do you keep fluids with you? Like, do you have like gallon jugs sitting up next to your feet on the on the float, or what? Yeah, I mean, everybody can bring their own refreshment of what mm. they want. Um, we pull out the whole. We're like in, in soccer days or something like that. You'd have the big uh, cooler things. Mm -hmm. Yep, we'd have one of those, like the personal size coolers. You also have fluids in your body. How do you get rid of these fluids on the float? There you wear are, diapers. There, or? there are bathrooms. Okay. Um, okay. Although it is a moving vehicle so you have to be very careful getting down the steep stairs yeah, and those and costumes those co those costumes aren't onesies are they no they're not they're, they're two pants they're pants and a okay, top okay okay so um, you, you can get in and out of what if it's a romper just you have to yeah. take it all off I, I would wear a diaper you will notice um so everyone wears like stuff underneath them like they'll have like shorts or something on underneath. Yeah, i imagine you would have to wear like shorts anything more than shorts you'd probably get overheated yeah but you can tell the people who've gone to the bathroom several times because they've like ripped their pants as they're trying to like, you know, in the bathroom, not fall over. On here, it says throw packages range from $140 to $875. My word. These packages includes beads, doubloons, flutes, tumblers, masks, etc. And that's for one package. And so... If you want to throw cups, because cups are fun to throw, because you can just like, I'll get a whole stack of them and I'll just like, doo, 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 and just like fly them off. Those are fun to throw. Beads, people don't get excited about it as much. And you get really offended because you have spent, this says on here, you can spend anywhere from a few hundred to several thousand. No, the reality is if you are riding on the parade, you have dropped a couple grand, several grand. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of money that each individual person is writing. Now, you know, you can split it with among your group and kind of pick things like that. But you have spent all this money and you are throwing it at people and you get really offended if you throw something and somebody just like steps aside like they don't want it. Dodge it. <laughs> they dodge it. And you're just like, oh, my God. You. And so I've had both perspectives of being the person that people are throwing stuff to 
and how you get so excited. I don't care what it is. You revert back to a child and you're like, I gotta have that beanie, baby. I gotta have the flying tambourine. You're not mm. gonna have the fairy wings, like whatever it is. You gotta have the shoe. I got I've got to get the shoe. And so um, you get really excited. You you do feel like you have a personal connection with these people, but it's like you feel like a celebrity. We're on the top level. And so people are just screaming at you, waving. They've got signs and you're trying to throw and get it to them. But then there's always going to be elements again in the way. Mm -hmm. The wind's not going to cooperate with you um, right now. You know, it's if you've got situations where it's raining, we've had some years where it's raining and you know, maybe we've been stopped in the parade and all of a sudden our driver of our float decides to fly and you're like, oh, and you just start like flinging stuff and you're hitting the person next to you in the mm. float. But um, what's really kind of cool is a lot of the main crews have signature throws. Like we said, Zulu with the coconuts, um, Muse with the decorated shoes and uh, Nyx with the purses, Iris with the sunglasses and bras. And then we throw tambourines because we're the music crew. So um, it's probably good that there's somebody out there throwing bras because there are so many ladies on that parade route them. that don't have the bras. <laughs> they need they the bra. They keep saying, I need a bra. I need, <laughs> I a, need bra. a bra. I need a bra. <laughs> um, and so my mom and I, this is this was our third year to decorate tambourines. And we have done over 150 each year. Each tambourine probably takes us anywhere from 20 to 45 minutes each for like one. Mm -hmm. So think about it. All this time, the, the number of hot glue guns or hot glue sticks we've used, we use beads, we've used glue, paint, everything possible we can find. We've put a lot of money just into the actual decorations of the tambourines, mm -hmm. not even taking into account buying the tambourines. And then all the time for then me to throw out 158 tambourines plus the beads and stuff like that in a three and a half hour time period. Mm -hmm. And that's why like, I'm like, gonna, I'm going to look somebody in the eye and be like, this tambourine's for you and you better catch it. And if you let this fall on the ground, I will murder you. I will come off this float and murder you. Not really, but I mean, that's kind of what I'm thinking in my head. I'm like, this is for you. You better catch it. You better love this. I did this year put a sticker on the bottom that's got a QR code and says to tag us on Instagram. So I'm hoping that a oh, couple... Cool. Had a couple of those already roll in, but hoping to kind of see that because that helps make it feel better if it's like, oh, somebody really loves our stuff. But mm -hmm. from a financial perspective, let's wrap it back to that. There's a lot of lot of money that goes into this experience. And so it's not a cheap one, but it's something that obviously I've built into my budget. It's important. It is something my husband and I have done for eight years, and it's a really cool bonding thing for us. And I just I want people who are participants of Mardi Gras to think about how expensive it is for people doing this. You know, it's not just like, oh, they were up there and why aren't they throwing? It's like, well, they've spent their hard-earned money. They're going to make sure they're throwing and taking time to mm -hmm. throw stuff out. But it's a cool thing. That also goes into obviously stimulating New Orleans. But then when you think about it, at the end of the night, cleaning it up, all that money that is just on the street in the form of broken beads and broken tambourines mm -hmm. and stuffed animals. <laughs> Not that it's at all the same, but you've had experience with long races. And I kind of wonder if there isn't something like this for Mardi Gras like there is for races. And races, a lot of times races start really early in the morning. So mm -hmm. people will start off a race very much bundled up. And you'll see things like people wear things like uh, removable sleeves, tight leg coverings yeah. and so forth that you can get off very easily so you can keep running, but you can strip down as the temperature warms up. And there are groups that go around and collect discarded clothing items 
to give to charity. Yeah. Like after a race, they follow behind the runners and, and collect. seems like, you know, you could put together a group that goes behind and just collects the stuff that's been tossed on the ground. Well, you'll see that. And that's where they have to have police and stuff like all over because a situation happened um, a couple of years ago where once a float goes by and throws stuff, then somebody will try and run in the street and get the stuff that landed that didn't go into the crowds. Because mm-hmm. another terminology, if you're ever going to New Orleans, you have neutral ground side and sidewalk side. Mm-hmm. So sidewalk side is obviously the one with the sidewalk. Neutral ground is going to be that middle area, and that's where a lot of people will be. But there was a situation where somebody ran out, tried to get something, and went between a connector float. Mm. And it was not a good situation because they didn't move as fast as the float was moving. Right. So people do go out there and do it. And just because I'm saying that it's several thousands of dollars that people can spend on these, not everyone has to do that. You could be seasoned and on there and you're like, I'm just here to have fun. I'm going to throw a bead every, you know, 15 minutes and you only can spend a couple hundred bucks. And so there's different levels and different things you can do. And and eventually I may get to where I'm just throwing the, you know, 150, 200 tambourines and I don't even focus on throwing the other stuff because I want to be more strategic on finding those people. So when we uh, talked about Mardi Gras, then, Court, you brought up a point. Well, yeah, I, I just brought up the idea that we were talking about Mardi Gras. When we were breaking this episode, we we kind of talked about the expense of Mardi Gras. And I said, you know, there have to be other holidays out there where people are... Throwing away money? <laughs> basically, you know, spending a lot of money on temporary uh, items. You know, something that they're going to throw out to a crowd or something that they're going to use once and that's going to forever keys. be gone. Yeah. And so, like, beyond food, which is obvious, every mm-hmm. holiday or a lot of the holidays involve food, and you eat that and then it's gone. But what other holidays are there out there that you spend money on something that you get one use out of and that's it? And the first thing that came to mind for me was Fourth of July, mm-hmm. was yeah. independent. Fireworks, yeah. You yeah. literally are blowing up money. Yeah. And those stands, I mean, you've got to drive out to them, and they've got all the deals. And I know that uh, I had a situation with one of my neighbors. They went and bought a ton of fireworks, and wife was not very happy with him when he got home. And he said, well, honey, they said if I spent another, you know, $200, then I got this coupon that next year I get, you know, 30% off. And she's like, what if that stand isn't even there next year? Like they just gave you a fake certificate. That's insane. When you think about it, it's like, oh my gosh, why would someone spend so much money to be on a Mardi Gras float and literally throw it away? Same thing. Why would somebody spend a bunch of money to then blow up fireworks for entertainment? It's all for entertainment and it's your priorities. I'm sitting here thinking about 4th of July and thinking, remembering 4th of July's when I was growing up and was blowing stuff up versus the 4th of July's that my kids experienced. And I don't think that I ever was a big buyer of fireworks for my children. So I'm not sure that they really ever remember 4th of July as something where they would like go outside and blow stuff up. You know, I I don't think we ever really did that. Uh, For whatever reason, I like fireworks and like playing with them and so forth. But my dad also sort of instilled a healthy respect in me of fireworks and the explosions that come from them and the fact that you can get injured. And I think when, when it came time for me to like let my kids play with fireworks or not. I I don't know that I ever consciously chose not <laughs> mm-hmm. to, but 
I don't recall them ever actually getting to play with fireworks. You know, we we maybe went and watched some displays, but you know, they never like bought the firecrackers and the bottle rockets and stuff that I yeah. can remember anyway. I might have just blocked it out. Anyway, I mean, it's potato potato. It's all how you look at it. Is it throwing away money or is it entertainment? Because it's like, okay, you bought a couple hundred dollars worth of fireworks, but you had couple hours of entertainments, you made memories, hopefully nobody ended up in the emergency room. The statistic that I guess we focus on is the uh, Mardi Gras. They're saying that it could potentially generate, and I I don't know if they're talking about Mardi Gras just in in New Orleans Mardi Gras, or if they're talking about Mardi Gras all over the country, anywhere where Mardi Gras is thrown, but says that Mardi Gras generates likely in the billions of dollars range, uh, whereas the Fourth of July only generates uh, hundreds of millions, so uh, apparently Mardi Gras is the bigger deal, hmm. at least in terms of uh, overall revenue generation. I know it's what keeps that city alive. If they didn't have Mardi Gras in New Orleans, then that city would really be struggling. And it's a great town. I feel like I'm constantly on my soapbox of people either love New Orleans and they've been there and they really are a big fan, or They've never been or they've only been once and just went to like Bourbon Street and they hate it. And they feel like it is nothing but a smelly town and not fun at all. But I'm just here to say, give it a chance. New Orleans has a soft spot in my heart and I don't like Bourbon Street. Mm -mm. It's got amazing other places. Garden District is absolutely gorgeous. Magazine Street's great. We were talking about it the other day. Like you cannot find a bad meal in that city. Mm -hmm. So many amazing restaurants. The food alone is is reason by itself to go. You don't ever have to go to, to Bourbon Street to just enjoy eating there for several nights in a row. You can find a different restaurant that serves a different fare every single night and it will be delicious every single Yeah, month. New Orleans has the best cuisine in all of the United States. You know, if you kind of segment it, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. you've got your barbecue, you've got your pizza up north and all that, but the, the French Cajun food, yeah. man, gumbo, jambalaya, etouffee, etouffee boudin. Man. I'm all oh. about etouffee. Oh, Ooh, so man. Oh, good. Yeah. I had a, uh, walking around the Bourbon Street area, we had actually walked out of, we were not on Bourbon Street, we were just, but we had started on Bourbon Street and then walked out to this other area, walked into this random jazz bar, uh, side street and we're listening to this jazz band and ordered a beer and ordered an etouffee pizza mm. and it was so good i have never had such a delicious pizza ever again in my life wow. as i had with that etouffee pizza crawfish etouffee that mm. sounds delicious mm, it was delicious let me tell you oh goodness okay kind of wrapping this up because obviously i feel like we could go on a deep dive about new orleans mm-hmm. but we this is not the new orleans episode this is mardi gras and uh, just kind of bullseyeing it to again financial whether it's mardi gras or fireworks or whatever it is if you can put a price on it in the sense of financial but also other aspects of it because while yes some of these things are super expensive but if you build it into your budget and you really are getting a return on it from entertainment wise memory wise and it's important to you then it's it's worth the money it's Mm -hmm. worth the opportunity because you know like with me and like it's i get to kind of feel like a celebrity up there is you know all these people are screaming and yelling whereas me i just am a celebrity (laughs) you are i'm just i'm just very very the 2025 monarch for career of orpheus is courtland wins it (laughs) 
but yeah, like, just have fun with it, guys. Um, there are certain things, and it's also you can compare this to concert tickets. It's like you you spend a bunch of money, and it's all for one night of entertainment. Mm-hmm. You don't really have anything else to take from it. It's just an entertainment purpose. Mm-hmm. You had memories of a concert. That's it. So it's really no different. It's just where are you putting your money? What is the priorities you placed with it? And what's the value from it? If mm-hmm. is it worth it? Is yep. the juice worth the squeeze? Yep. Oh boy. <laughs> oh, ladies and gentlemen, there's the closing bell. You've made it to the end of yet another episode of the Bullcast Podcast. If you liked what you heard and you'd like to hear more, please feel free to go to your favorite subscription service and sign up to have our podcast delivered directly to your listening device every single Thursday at noon. If you'd like to find out more about Cameron, Court, Katie, or Nicole, please feel free to go to our website. That is bullcastpodcast.com. You can leave a comment, suggest a topic you'd like to hear us talk more about, or just Check out our bios and uh, look at our pictures. Hey, if you like pictures, we've also got an Instagram handle. That Instagram handle is at Bullcast Podcast. And we have an X handle at Bullcast Podcast. And we have a Facebook page that is Bullcast The Podcast. Catch the D in there. <laughs> Finally, ladies and gentlemen, we work at a place called and have mentioned several times on this episode Pickler Wealth Advisors. It is David Pickler's company. And if you'd like to find out more about what we do at Pickler Wealth Advisors, what we can do for you, Find out about our amazing team and find out about our boss, David Pickler. Please feel free to go to that website. That website is picklerwealthadvisors.com. That's advisors with an O. Not an E. Ladies and gentlemen, we have given you everything you need to go forth and be Marty. So for now, <laughs> I'm Court. I'm Katie. I'm Cam. Les bon temps brûlés. 